0: This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm going to be talking to Ben Norris, who as well as being one of the funniest people socially that I think I've ever met, is an incredible improviser. He's got really good jokes, but we're going to be talking in the episode today about uh, about his quest to to release himself from the confines of his prepared material, uh, to activate his, uh, his demon, uh, more on that later, and uh, and find in himself a kind of uh free and energetic and, and sometimes quite manic energy that then leads him onto greater heights of creativity so we we, we probably won't making it be sound that uh uh, pretentious. Maybe we will. There'll also be a couple of uh, boneheaded references to the Hulk. Um, so Ben Norris uh, today, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Very different to the conversations we've had so far. Uh, and remember, coming up later in the series, we've got Paul Sinha on political comedy, uh, and I've just yesterday recorded a fascinating interview, genuinely electrifying chat with Adam Bloom, who is uh, in many ways the janitor at the bottom of the basement of comedy, uh, fixing jokes for people and uh, sort of the only guy maybe who understands how jokes really work on a, on a sort of technical uh, exploded diagram kind of a level. That's probably going to make less sense to you now than it will after you've heard the that episode. So uh, look forward to, to Paul Sinner and then Adam Bloom after this conversation with Ben Norris. A tiny bit of admin. You've been sending me lovely feedback um, and I, some of that feedback has said stop talking less at the beginning but I need to say this because at the moment I've got a, a loyal core of uh, followers and downloaders so thank you very much for, for downloading or streaming this on um, iTunes or SoundCloud um, but I am keen that we get more people out there listening to it I'm convinced that uh, there is value to be had in, in some of these interviews on the subject of creativity generally and not just in terms of the lonely sad comedians such as you perhaps who are listening to this on the way back from a, a gig for 30 quid in Devon Um, so uh, forgive me if I just spend one minute on uh, a couple of little uh, advertorial things is that the word Um, thank you to everyone who's been following at ComComPod which is the, the Twitter of this podcast uh, and I nominate the following people. Uh, comedians Matt Green, David Morgan, Andy White, Sarah Milliken, David Whitney, Al Cowie, Nish Kumar, Brian Gittins and Michael J. Dolan. And the comedy critic Bruce Desso. Uh, I nominate you all super goldsmiths. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a ludicrous thing I've made up, which is uh, just to, to say thanks to people who have... Yeah, to, to say thanks to people who've helped retweet my show to their following. Uh, to say thanks to them by giving them a name based on my own name. Good, good work. Stuart. Um, Please join the Facebook group. Uh, If you go to comedianscomedian.com there is a button there. Um, You can join the Facebook group and share the latest episode on your own Facebook page. Uh, And if you'd like to see me uh, do some stand-up I'm going to be performing at Old Rope which is a fabulous uh, night run by the wonderful Tiffany Stevenson uh, at the the Phoenix in Cavendish Square near Oxford Circus in London. I'm going to be closing I'm going to be headlining Old Rope on the 21st of May and uh, what you'll get to experience there is two things. Uh, You'll get to probably to see people incredibly Comedians like Rich Hall and Stephen Merchant going there and trying out new stuff for their tours or for TV appearances. And then you'll also get to see some poor bastard trying to then headline the show after all the exciting, famous people. And on the 21st of May, that poor bastard will be me. Uh, I'll be running in some new material for my Edinburgh Fringe show, which, in defiance of edfringe.com, remains entitled Prick. Um, You can't search for Prick, Uh, it needs to be censored. We're trying to fix that at the moment. We're trying to complain, we're trying to take some sort of action. Thank you to Chortle uh, and Jay Richardson who have helped us raise that. Um, That's sort of an interesting censorship issue which we might get into in in later shows. And thanks to Chortle as well uh, for featuring the Comedians Comedian podcast on their homepage as recommended. They called us quite geeky, which I think is fair. Last thing, tickets for Prick, which is a venue called The Pleasants. They're on sale at edfringe.com. And tickets for The Comedian's Comedian Live at The Gilded Balloon. They're going to be on sale uh, soon as well. So please send me your questions, remarks, comments, suggestions for guests. I've had some great suggestions coming in. Uh, More of those, please, to info at comedianscomedian.com. That is all the advertorial guff for today. Please enjoy Mr Ben Norris. So... Where are you at the moment with comedy? How are you enjoying it? How's it treating
1: you? Uh, Good, actually. I think I've been going through a healthy, um, regenerative uh, period where I'm... um, You know, I think anyone in stand-up who's been doing it a long time goes through peaks and troughs, and there Mm. are times when it's not... Uh, it doesn't feel quite as, uh, as much fun and, and, and as creative and fulfilling. It can be, you can go through spells of where you're just working and it feels like working because you've got a gig uh, every night and yeah. you've got to travel so far and, it, you know, if you feel less inclined to, to muck about with the set too much because mm-hmm. it's kind of working and, uh, and that's a very professional sort of way to be, I think, to have a 20-minute set that that kills at every gig and all of that stuff but actually it can it can start eroding your joy of it a bit so I think every now and then you just have to kind of check yourself before you wreck yourself yeah you know what I'm saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) and are you where are you on that that wave at the moment Um, are you in the kind of a I've been doing that for ages and now I'm feeling a bit more alive and stuff I started trusting the um,
1: a number of friends and pals on the circuit would say to me, "Go, oh, really, you know, there's nothing wrong with your set. Don't get me wrong, but I love it when you go off piste, and every opportunity you get to to, to just go into the audience or or, or or into your imagination with a with a bit or extend a, an idea that you've got tends to be um, more enjoyable. Certainly for the comics mm-hmm. because they get certain they get used to a certain rhythm and patter and mm-hmm. and, and frankly, let's face it, we get to know each other's acts quite well inside out yeah and um, you know if you've been working quite a lot with somebody it's it's a, always a joy if they do anything yeah. that you didn't hear Thursday night you know yeah. so I just I kept getting people saying oh, I really loved it last night when you went off on that thing and mm-hmm. you're so good at that why don't you do that more often and I could tell people were trying to be careful about how they put it to me because they were worried that I would take it like what, what's wrong with my material, you know? Sure. But they were, you know, but, but and it, for years I've always done that. I've always done that occasionally or, you know, mm-hmm. one ev- every three or four gigs. But just recently, like in the last six months, I decided I was going to try and do it always, but for at least a large spell of. My act, yeah. or as often as possible. As you know, there's some gigs you turn up. You, that might be your intention. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you glance at the room and think, no, this this isn't the playroom This is the sure. do the act room and get sure. out of here with my with my head down. But um, and I've had some really lovely, you know, gigs where I'm closing out of town and there's genuinely no time restriction. Where they say, you know, there's not a compere looking at his watch saying I've got to get the last train and and I've just let myself. Play a bit, and 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 I think I've proved to myself again that I can do large chunks of improvised stand-up that, that are as good or better than anything I've written. So that's that's. I'm feeling really quite positive because I've done quite a few where I've proved to myself that that is the case, and it and it can be done.
0: Uh, I'm just waiting yeah. for a second to stop because I'm just these. We're rustling slightly. Yeah. So you'll have to edit this bit. Yeah. <laughs> After three. One, two, three. Mmm. Mm. That'll stay in. <laughs> um, okay. So you're you're feeling freer in what you're doing. Yeah, I think so. I mean You're not- giving yourself the opportunity to go I mean, is is it a case of trusting yourself enough to know that you can just jump in there and you'll be okay now? Yeah. You're good enough now. Yeah, I think so. Thing is I always used to do that.
1: Without the trust, it was through the fear of the thing. Like when I started doing stand-up, I was a compare in a in a monthly gig, and I, I didn't have any material, so well, I
0: had to do. Let, let's that. place you there then. What? Let's. So this is when you started. You were,
1: you started as a compare. Yeah. Well, I started a gig in, in a in an art centre in Aldershot. The gig's still running, I think, at the West End Centre. Okay. I, um, yeah. Was that yours? That was mine originally. It was called the Trapdoor Comedy Club. It was monthly on a Sunday. And that was um, you started that in order to become an open spot. N- n- well, no, I, I started it because I wanted t- some comedy in my town, you know. Okay. And I approached the arts centre where I, I used to be in bands and play a lot of gigs there, and various guys is playing bass guitar, and um, so they knew me a little bit. And I and I'd started going up to Clapham. There was a gig called the Cartoon at a pub called the Plough mm-hmm. in Clapham. It was a Friday night gig. It was a th- maybe two hundred and fifty seater, and a really exciting, gritty kind of you know if they loved you they carried you shoulder high and if they yeah, didn't yeah. like you people were brutal and it was the early 90s and people were yeah. be- the, the heckling thing seemed to be quite big then.
0: yeah much more of a, a thing then I think than now yeah I think well I think people w- were
1: um, it was still alternative comedy yeah do you know what I mean so people it was, had opinions it people was,
0: disagreed with them yeah and, and absolutely
1: and, there was, and a, on, on it, yeah. most bills there would be two or three acts who who were coming at comedy from some sort of left-wing mm. um, uh, bias and, and one or two deliberately trying to sabotage that. But wh- whichever angle, it was alternative comedy. It was it was not on the telly.
0: And it made for a very provocative live world yeah and anything yeah. can happen. And then anything. there were other
1: people who were deliberately going to heckle, I think. Yeah. There were people who definitely were turning up with... And not heckle like you might get heckled at, you know
0: some jonglers or other Mm -hmm. by some drunk postal worker but you know the yeah whenever I read uh, whenever I read or listen to people talking about um, you know back in the day man you know and the heckles and the heckle stories the hecklers in those are always really intelligent and I guess they would be because those are the stories that are filtered back but now I mean I don't I can't think of a really intelligent or funny heckle it's so rare isn't it I I, I was watching
1: um, a documentary on the telly the other day about Leighton Live Mm -hmm. Awesome. And um, brilliant. There was an example of that reminded me of those early days when people went specifically to heckle, but not just to shout, but to say something yeah. that might destroy a person. Yeah. You know, to try and or, test
0: that comedian. Like the comedian had to test himself yeah. or herself against the best everyone yeah. can come up with. Yeah, people. So well, like I'm prepared. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to take on all of you. Yeah, Can't bring on. I think.
1: Yeah, it was very gladiatorial and. And I so I used to go there as a punter and sit in awe of these people who could who appeared to be able to to do that. And I can't imagine now after sort of eighteen years of doing this, I can't really imagine the me then. Mm. And I, and I, certainly the me then couldn't imagine this mm. because I thought it was something that people had who had either special powers or
0: severe mental illness did. Mm turns out it was the second combination <laughs> yeah <laughs> the yeah. one leading to the yeah okay so you you wanted comedy to be in your town so you oh that's you right so I, I I was
1: going to this club the cartoon and I approached the manager of the West End Centre and Aldershot and said why don't you have these guys come and do a night here and he we were chatting about it and he said well we've tried comedy here and it didn't really work and I said well I'm amazed because it's mm. brilliant and my enthusiasm was obviously rubbing off on him and he said well you sound like You're the man for the job. Why don't you promote tonight? Mm -hmm. So, and that was it. He just gave me. He said you could have this Sunday at the end of next month and go and roll it out from there. And that's that's also tells you a lot about the state of affairs. That I was able to go back to the cartoon at Clapham. Uh, I met one comic Noel James I you know oh, Noel no. yeah yeah it was the first comic I ever spoke to directly I just saw Excellent. him die on his ass. okay but brilliantly I was oh, on, m- me and about two other people were rolling around with laughter mm-hmm. nobody else was he set his hair on fire uh, as his finale <laughs> and I just had to go and talk to him and I went to talk to him and I said look this guy wants me to book a gig mm-hmm. and can you help me and um, he took my address and a couple of days later he sent me a photocopy of the back of his diary and all comics in those days used to just carry small you know Mm -hmm. Collins diaries Mm -hmm. and in the back of Noel James's diary was this was about 1992 or something it was the phone number of Every famous alternative comic <laughs> working, um, amazing. Yeah, okay. them all. You know, um, some of them were already famous by that point, mm-hmm. and I was flicking through, and he'd crossed some out quite badly, okay. where he, perhaps he thought you better not ring him, okay, because you could still make it out. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. No, I was just <laughs> so excited of these numbers. And from that photocopied notebook, I booked the first night.
0: Okay, so when you when you had initially gone to this to the the guy in Aldershot and said I want to do comedy, what comedy had you seen then? I, were, see, you, were you going to London gigs? I was going that?
1: to this gig in Clapham pretty much oh, okay. every Friday, and I'd been doing that for about a year. And
0: who stands out in your memories, people? Um, sort
1: of so many of them are... For, so few of them are still working. Mm. One or two. Uh, Ivor Dembina. I went with Ivor last yeah. weekend, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. He, was, he was there. Very, very, very funny. Um, who else was there? Who else did I see? Um, some people who... Who's that... Um, guy who went on to be a playwright and uh
0: mark billingham no not person? him no. no
1: um much oh, no, more no, famous than that writer. but very high profile patrick marber yes yeah saw yeah. patrick marber there doing a did a routine about being debagged by a landlady okay which sticks in my mind um uh oh god my memories are appalling. i wish i'd written these all down i could have prepared no that's a lot good. lots of lots of People, who, one or two are still working. One or two have gone on to be famous and rich, and, and a number of others who've disappeared off the face of the earth.
0: So, what and how were you coming at it? Then, were you thinking I'm in bands, I'm into being on stage and being the guy, or were you thinking I've got a, a political agenda, or there was stuff I wanted to say? What was the, what was the thing that made you want to? Go, was, I can do it. Was it the, the? everyone loves these guys, I want to be loved. I, what? I thought it was
1: genuinely pure excitement of, A, bringing these comedians to all the shot mm. and having any kind of involvement with them. Uh, you know, I was happy just to be the guy on the flyer, you know, that said, I, I booked the guys, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it became quickly apparent that we couldn't afford to pay three acts plus a compare, <clears throat> And I wanted a three-act bill like I was seeing in London. Sure. So I just said, well, I'll just go on and introduce them. And of course the apps would say to me, well, you'll do a bit, you know, like we all yeah, do. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I said, well, I'll, I'll chat for a bit. I, mean, I haven't got any stuff, you know. Yeah, I'll say it's... thank you 114 times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course it was, the, it was a really small, but well-meaning crowd, 60 or 70 people, if, if, if I'd done really well. And um, they were just genuinely delighted that somebody had thought to bring this thing to crummy little Aldershot as mm. everybody sees it there. Um, so they were grateful to me and made it easy for me to get gentle laughter going so I would maybe I'd have written two bad jokes and then I would talk about something local you know something Mm -hmm. something out of the you know all the short Mm -hmm. times or whatever and um, get every every month I wrote a few more bits and it became completely addictive and and then comics who I was booking started saying it's very scruffy what you're doing but it's Mm -hmm got something mm-hmm. you know it needs a lot of work and but you shouldn't think that you're just the guy who brings on acts here because you could you could be an open spot
0: yeah <laughs> you I didn't up. even know what open spot <laughs> was you know yeah.
1: and then they told me yeah you can do these you can do these unpaid five minute gigs in these bars around London and you turn up at seven o'clock and write your name in a book and mm-hmm. and at the time I think it was really quite a fledgling scene that open spot World. This wasn't a, when you. It wasn't at clubs where you were trying to get a gig at that club. Mm. It was bars that just did open mic nights, and um, they probably still exist. But I haven't been to one for a long time. But I used to go to one called the Bar in Wilsdon that one of these comics told me about. And um, I remember the. I think the first night I went, Paul Tonkinson was also queuing up to sign his name in the book, and Rudy Liquid. Can't remember anyone else. Um, Oh, that Corrin woman. What's her name? Uh, who's now on the radio quite a bit? Victoria. Oh, Victoria Corrin. Corrin. She okay. was tr- trying her hand at stand-up, uh-huh. and uh, and these people would turn up every Monday night. I think it was a Monday night, and you'd see them perfecting little bits and.
0: And so, if if your your kind of your beginnings as a comic were just being up there and saying stuff, you said you might have had some bad jokes that you'd written. What was mm. your What was the beginnings of your? writing process what did you think oh god I've got to come up with something at the last second or were you What? how much thought were you giving
1: it at the time I, I started giving it more and more thought because every month it became like a week before the gig it became apparent that I'd done everything I'd done all the important bits like I'd booked the three acts and I'd photocopied the posters and the flyers yeah. and dropped them off at the venue and um, you know d- done all that stuff and, th- and then it became apparent oh Christ I've got to introduce all these people and and I got the feeling that the regular audience was starting to enjoy my predicament. You know what I mean? They, yeah, they, yeah, There yeah. was a kind of conspiratorial vibe. What will this drunk do this week? And I would have a few pints before I went on. So there was okay. a there was a definite Dutch courage thing going on, and and I started really enjoying it. You know, getting excited. That
0: about does it. sound like a really uh, and it's a it's a kind of a hated word, but that sounds like a really organic beginnings of a comic yeah story I mean it sounds like a really good honest kind yeah. of beginning of a movie type yeah. seeing a Billy Elliot kind of comedy thing well I didn't have to you know
1: I didn't I didn't feel like I was going to be judged harshly at all mm. I could go out there and be awful but they would still smile at me as if to say listen Ben that was an yeah. interesting try but can you bring G- one of those comics G- given, on given that you're <laughs> one of us yeah. you've done fine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now bring one of those guys on that you, you told yeah. us about and of course the Pedigree of the people I was booking was really high, so mm-hmm. every su- every month on this Sunday night gig, they were getting at what I felt to be the best of the alt circuit. Mm. So they were they they trusted me completely w- with regards to my comedic vision. It was just the stuff I was saying that was a bit dubious, but yeah. even that started getting funnier because it was so amateurish but so honest. And I think that's what people used to say about. Uh, about what I was doing is that I was just mining my genuine private life and awful embarrassing things that had happened to me and my family and just splurging it all out on stage and people were surprised by that level of honesty because most of the other acts weren't you know doing that they were professional and snappy and rude and outrageous but they weren't going so the other day I actually proved myself in Debby.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay. You were sort of ahead of the curve in terms of bearing your soul and going, so. this is the awful thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because it was easier to, to get a reaction from something um, cringingly embarrassing that, yeah. that had happened than sit and write some proper jokes,
0: you know. So were you, before you got into liking comedy, were you funny in the pub? Were you the sort of person that, you know, were you funny at school? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it,
1: yeah, I think i probably fall into a lot of those clichés about trying to protect myself by, by being amusing. I certainly, I was a kind of, I was a very small kid at school. I was, um, I was one of those, my voice didn't break till I was about 17. and okay. I was a tiny little fellow when I left school. I didn't look like I should have been out in the workplace. I, should, I didn't look like I should have been out of the house. On my own. <laughs> um so I think that affected my psyche a bit. I think I always thought that I needed to prove myself a bit more than perhaps some other of my mates. And um when I was a young punk in the early eighties, I suppose I I remember like punk, like hair and and lateral, safety pins yeah, I had spiky yeah. well, not safety pens so much. We were we were anarcho punks. Mm -hmm. So we were into bands like Crass and Conflict and Flux of Pink Indians. And we were uh, anarchists and vegetarians. And we spent most of our time going on demonstrations. So we were either going to see a band or we were going on a train to some godforsaken place to stand outside a, an animal lab yeah with a placard saying stop hurting the
0: animals man <laughs> uh, in a leather jacket
1: uh, in, a, <laughs> in a leather jacket yeah uh, actually we got quite often more ludicrous UPVC based clothing and shoe products which um, pretty much proved why leather is so good
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh I, you know, there was a lot of standing around. And hunt sabbing was another uh, hobby.
0: Did you go and do that? You did that twice a week. Oh, man. yeah. When I was eleven. Yeah. I would read. I'd read about people hunt sabbing, and oh, I'd right. be in Leamington Spa, and I'd be thinking, god "I'd love to do that." <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking, I had no connection to that. It was role.
1: great. It was, you know, it was. We were revolutionaries in our Surrey, Hampshire border kind of way. I was in the bands, these silly band, Stigmata Club was the name of the band I, I was in with my cousin Jamie. Excellent. And I think. That's the earliest memory I have have of people gathered around and me taking up the mantle of entertainer. And it would be, uh, you know, probably an evening around somebody's house. We were all teenagers. uh, Most of them were older than me. I I used to always hang around with slightly older groups or groups of people that were slightly older. Um, And I don't know if that's indicative of some psychological... Thing that's relevant. Someone mm. listening to this might better work that out. So, sorry, I'm rustling I on Raffia. Keep moving these
0: <laughs> <laughs> Keep moving these out of the
1: way of this. <laughs> but I remember, you know, I do. That's that's when I remember first getting that feeling of a, a group of people laughing at something I'd made up. Mm. And uh, the more that it happened, the more I wanted to do it. And that was my that probably was my reputation in that group as squeaky little you know spiky haired herbert half the size of everyone else but with twice the mouth
0: yeah and it's a classic trope isn't it yeah (laughs) Yeah. i think so no less true for it so um you started gigging regularly there's a period by which you presumably are doing lots and lots of open spots is that i mean is it is it a fairly natural curve for you that you did more and more and then you went one day you went Yes, i i can't remember the full
1: details but i think it was there were so many uh, so few comics then that there seemed to be um, I don't know 40 established comics and it, this may not be right but it felt like and there were about 30 people trying to become established comics. That's sort of what it felt like because I seemed to know with, by the first year of open spotting I kind of knew everybody yeah. both established and up and coming. Mm-hmm. Now it's not like that at all it's is it? insane then. I mean there's insane. hundreds and hundreds right yeah. I mean yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. I never very the only time I meet open spots now genuinely is if I'm emceeing the comedy store or something mm-hmm. and they're coming to do their their open spot there and by which time they're an established they're act they're not
0: really open spots anymore so I don't, I don't
1: go to those places where there's a whole load of new acts
0: I, even in the time I mean I count myself lucky to have started even six years ago because mm. now it's absolutely mental flatmates of mine an ex-flatmates of mine uh, is on the open spot circuit at the moment and is still driving to the ends of the earth for right. no money for Jeff. Wow, a few years in because there are just so many people doing it. Well, it makes me
1: so pleased that I started when I did, and, yeah. it, and I was a late. I was 26 when I started yeah. out, you know. So yeah, it was it was fairly smooth because once you had a decent five and you went to nice rooms and it worked, they might make you do it twice mm-hmm. before they gave you a half spot, but usually. Two, two unpaid spots, you'd be into a 10-minute paid, and a year later, most of them would be 20s, I guess. Mm-hmm. A year or two, perhaps. I might be exaggerating. Um, But then it was still a long time before I had enough in the diary to even consider yeah. throwing in the towel All at work. Sure, Because sure. my parents brought me up, you know, the whole ethos was don't give up your day job.
0: Getting the criticism in early,
1: (laughs) yeah. No, but you know, I mean, don't even consider not working because there was a period of time when I wasn't working, when I was just going to demos all the time, and my mum was furious. But I was living at home, you know, didn't need, didn't need to work.
0: Mm. Let's talk about the material that you do now. What sort of? i mean i I never like being asked to describe what i do but i see you doing anecdotal stuff stuff about your life stuff about your kids yeah and but also you can write proper jokes right you're one of those people who can actually write a joke okay like your unemployed dwarf joke for example (laughs) is just one of my absolute favorites and it's a proper joke right yeah so um let's talk about how you make material of either of either sort what what you do when you I mean you're not someone that goes to Edinburgh are you you don't go to Edinburgh regularly so you're you're not forced to make a new hour every year no but you you still turn stuff over yeah so what do you sit down in a room somewhere and write what's the starting I try all the different
1: methods that I've heard other people use I've tried Mm. to get up in the morning and you know sit at a desk and just channel ideas that doesn't really work for me it doesn't seem to anyway I try and use all the travelling time that I can use to 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 do that so uh, trains I, I get trains everywhere nowadays uh, or or I take them my motorbike if I if I can get there and back in the day um, the trains are good you know I, I always have a notebook with me I always have half-baked ideas in that notebook mm. and I find that if I return to them sometimes they the, the the answer comes to mm. me. But it, I'm not a prolific writer by any means, which is why I like to improvise. Mm. Any chance I get to improvise, and that tends to be when the funny, whatever it is that's funny in me, I exorcise that demon in, in, in the moment, and stuff comes out. And half my jokes in my act, that are in my established act, or improvisations... From a previous gig that I just kept in, you know.
0: So, is there something about what is it for you about that? What's the difference between being in front of an audience? What's the what's the chemical difference for you, being in front of an audience compared to sitting trying to come up with a funny idea? Why do you think I, it is? I, I don't know? Because I've tr-
1: what I've tried to do in the past, and I'm trying desperately trying to write a chunk of new stuff, is imagine that I'm in front of an audience and see if I can get that freewheeling mindset going. And it doesn't seem to open up. You know, I mean, I don't want to use a drug analogy, but it's kind of like somebody saying, imagine, you know, sit here now and imagine you're high. And you can do it to a certain extent, but not in the same way as when you're high. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. it, it genuinely feels like a different part of my brain
0: unlocks yeah you know. i've always thought it's uh e- even when if i write down some ideas and then ring up a friend to say can i try my ideas on you because i'm just bouncing off yeah. the walls here not knowing i will i'll often say things and just in the saying of them i'll come up with much better stuff yeah. than i've written down because there's this hungry ear on the other side of the phone there's like this kind of yeah, I don't know what it is like. You you enter. I th- I think I enter a, a feeling of crisis where mm. you go. I have to fill this. Yeah, and it's well, more important than your. I, I did don't know the, um, that set list show a couple of weeks ago. How was that? Tell me about. Um, that. So we should just say that uh, set list is this is a show where you walk in and you get given as you walk up to the stage, you get given what you're going to talk about. Yeah, so you have to talk about it literally then.
1: And I was. Um, Matt Kirshen I have to thank a lot because he was he, he's very involved with the show and it was him that said to Paul Provenza who I think mm-hmm. created the show you've got to have this guy Ben Norris and then he managed to remind him who I was because Provenza had bumped into me one night at Glastonbury about five years ago where at three in the morning and there was a group of comics around a campfire and I was on one of my hour-long... Um, you know st- what do you call it uh, um, st- uh, con- f- consciousness what do you call it st- stream of consciousness stream of consciousness yeah okay, what do you call
0: it there is no word right. for what you do You can, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for those that don't know yeah. better, I mean you're quite known throughout the comedy world aren't you for getting, getting on one it, apparently and, like yeah. uh, well I think some people are kind of always on right and you're not always on no that quality of being always on is something that you sometimes do to the extent that like, it isn't annoying. It's right. normally annoying when people are always on. Yes. But sometimes you just get in a gear, yeah. and you're just going, and you can't do anything yeah, it, outside. Yeah, yeah. You can't do anything but just sit back and cry laughing. <laughs> You've done that to me before. <laughs> really? I've, yeah, where we've been... It started off as a conversation. And you just... The motor was running. Yeah. And I've just been crying with laughter. Well, that's kind. I mean, and that is the thing that
1: I guess I've been touching upon throughout this interview is that there's this, I, you know... It, it, there's a demon in me, I guess, That it is a pretty positive one mm-hmm. in that it really does entertain people. But it's also, it's often quite dark and a bit unexpected. It's unexpected because I don't know I'm going to say it yeah. until the words literally hit the back of my It's like pad, you're hulking you know. out.
0: You did yeah. this thing and there's normal Ben Norris. Yeah. And then there is another state that you turn into. Yeah. So and this is kind of what you're saying before is at the moment it sounds like you're trying to throw yourself into hulking in. Yeah, I'm trying to make that happen on stage at normal gigs. Instead of I mean the the, the other
1: thing is there seems to be something about the um miniature audience of my peers mm-hmm. that that excites me the most or makes this thing do its job the best. And it's, I, you know, it's not that I'm at Reading Jonglers thinking these people don't deserve the demon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, but it, and it should be said as well that when you're not doing whatever that thing Hulk, mm. the Hulk isn't the right analogy, that's too blunt. It's like... You don't uh, like me when I'm funny. Yeah, I can't remember. We don't like you anyway. I, I can't remember the superhero, but is it the one who goes Shazam? And oh. he, he's got, it's the Captain Marvel or something. Right. And he's, he's the normal person and then he activates his thing and like the other right I'm sure I'll get emails if yeah. anyone listens ever <laughs> okay. uh, but you know it's like he he switches place with a demon from another world yeah he kind of goes thing like this and yeah. then the demon's there and that's the thing he's doing that's a more but when you're not doing that you are still very very funny you are still I mean, you're, thank you you've I mean... got well no it's true isn't it you, you can one of the quotes on your on your website and I totally agree with this is your I think it's from londonisfunny.com right they say it's as close to a cast iron guarantee of someone being brilliant that you can get if you go see you headline somewhere, right it's definitely going to be great whether or not the demon comes out. So I just wanted to make that totally clear for the people yeah, yeah, of yeah. You're funny anyway, but this demon thing is, I think it's hilarious that you call it the demon. <laughs> I hadn't called it that until just then. Okay, then, good. Know, um, it's
1: hard, it, it, you know, I'm very conscious of not wanting to sound wanky. No, do it, do it. Because uh, normally
0: whenever we have these chats, when everyone goes, oh, I don't want to sound like this, yeah. that's what we want to hear. Don't worry. Right. When, you know, but, sound but as wanky it, as you want. But it's... Um, you know, it's
1: quite cl- it's been demonstrated to me by various other people that I like and respect that you know, the there a number of again there's a one or two quotes I've actually been gaulish enough to put on the website from someone like you know, Ed Byrne described it in a in an interview and they mm. asked him, you know, who makes you laugh? And he, he said me and he was mm. talking about he wasn't talking about my act, mm. even though I'm sure he thinks it's fine, but he was talking about my uh, you know, three hour long Late night shenanigans at various social occasions where I've just done that demon thing, and one or two people have come in and tried to kind of get involved with it, yeah. and then fallen away because they've realised actually it's best to just let him get on with it. Yeah. And, and one or two people walk away, uh, frankly, because yeah. they don't really like it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but most people sit and listen, you know. And it's and it's not something I would know how to do tonight if we'd arranged to do it. But, sure. um, it's something I need to investigate more because I, th- I think it will be the, the thing that makes me stand out. It's, yeah. the, it's my biggest skill. It's just so bloody hard to find a way of switching it on and off. Yeah. And like you say, those people who are always on are rarely bearable. Yeah. There's something about that that's just, ooh. Yeah. But if somebody in a, in a moment is, is in a thing...
0: You... If you can learn, if you can learn the magic word, that if you can learn your Shazam, yeah. it puts you in that thing then that's really, I mean, that's really exciting. Yeah. So you say it's, it comes around, let's talk, I just want to talk about this a bit more for a bit. Y- you say that that comes about more often when you're with peers, when you're with comics. So is that like because they're super audience members? Like the audience makes you want to leap out and... it's kind, Yeah, it's kind
1: of like, I won't be able to do any old crap with these guys. Yeah. They've heard every um, pull back and reveal gag and every technical type of joke. So, so I can just put all of that stuff to one side and concentrate on the thing that seems to be the, the thing that I'm best at.
0: So you're not doing
1: technique anymore. No, you're no just channeling emotions. Yeah, you? and it's it's you know like in I don't know if you've ever seen one of these cartoons where the characters are laying bricks on a road that he's walking on and he's literally, he's doing it at 30 miles an hour and the bricks are going down just in time for him to continue. It's like I'm doing that. Yeah. The words are the bricks and genuinely I'm running at this thing and chucking the words in front of me and if they don't land in the right place, I've had it. Yeah. And there's something about the jeopardy of that that makes it so exciting and having people who you know are going to get it. And I'm not, you know, and let's be, let's be honest the, um, not every audience we play to give us the indication no. that they're the brightest, to- you know, buttons or the sharpest tools in the. <laughs>
0: they're the sh- not the sharpest the buttons in the. <laughs> they're, not, they're
1: not the sharpest buttons in the fridge, and, uh, and so and uh, you know sometimes we play down to audiences and we might play over the heads of audiences and we m- or we might or we might have an audience that seemed far too intellectual and, and suddenly mm. our knob jokes feel. Rather like knob jokes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you can put an angle on even a knob joke, you can, you can make it acceptable. I think.
0: You've described being in this state when other comics are around, and you know people have tried to get involved. Have people been combative in the past? Have you ended up in kind of almost like put down yes. battles with people yeah. who tried to get involved? To, to tell us about that, give um, us an example.
1: I've been in one or two. I don't need to name names, but I was at... Um, um, there was a, um, a bachelor weekend. Is that what you call them? The um, It was somebody's stag. OK, got you. And I didn't know. I thought that might <clears> be a <throat> thing I hadn't heard about. Oh, <laughs> yeah. of one of them. Have, Have you not been a, out? <laughs> to a bachelor weekend? Oh, you'd love it. Uh, just bring a bachelor. Um, it was a stag weekend, I suppose, but it was in a big posh house and it was a quite high-profile comic who shall remain nameless. They all will in this story. But um, I think it was... Um, somebody has started saying, oh, later on, Ben will be... Uh, For the
0: benefit of the listener, high-profile comics include Ed Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I should name a list uh, of people. It could be any four of the be. following 20 people. Dara yeah. O'Brien, he, he, Andrew he, Maxwell. They were all there. <laughs> but I think somebody started saying,
1: um, oh, you know, can't be long now before Ben goes off on his thing. You know, the the, the crazy rant will start. And I, and I, you know, obviously I was drinking, etc. And, um I was genuinely thinking it's not it's not coming I'm not it's not going to happen I'm just going to I might just sit this one out. Yeah. Maybe I'll just be like other people and just listen to other people talk and say the occasional thing and giggle and drink my beer and uh wander around this massive house that they'd mm-hmm. rented and have a laugh and but sure enough at a certain time of night it it appeared you know I started Do you remember what started it? Some it would have been conversational you know and I would have started a thing got a laugh and thought, right, here it comes, and and a few people were going, oh, here, here we go, <laughs> here he goes, Norris is doing this thing, and um, and one or two characters inevitably who maybe hadn't seen it before didn't didn't value it, yeah, they didn't value it, um, you know, sort of interrupted, and then a few other people go, shh, <laughs> don't. It- it's let, happening, it's ha- happening. Let him go. It happened once before and it was, um, I think it was Glenn Wall's stag uh, night. We ended up, I think it was at Ed Burns flat that time. And he put this movie on, a black and white movie made in the turn of the century called, it's about the, um, it's a really outrageous film about the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. Birth of a Nation. Right, That's what it's called. Right. Right. And somebody put that on and said, what, we're, we're gonna, we'll just sit in the lounge, we'll turn the sound off, and we'll all just voice it. And um, this was, you know, two in the morning. And it started with, you know, various different people doing the voices of the characters as they popped up on the screen. And then I just took over. Okay. And, again, I remember one other comic was do- who stayed in the mix with me yeah. being told by the others there's no point <laughs> this is not just honestly let Norris do this and again this is the bit that I think sounds like I'm blown man trumpet so you know but you, you said I have to
0: come yes. through with it yes yes well, well, I is, hereby absolve you of any uh,
1: trumpet well, accusations this is what I'm told later I was a bit drunk so I can't remember the full details but I voiced after the 10 minutes of the movie everyone else stopped voicing the characters and I voiced every scene till the film ended and the lounge of this house was packed full of professional comics (laughs) apparently rolling around in hysterics now I no I don't know if I could ever do that again I don't know where it came from I just know that this thing was happening and I just stuck with it and apparently the movie is two and a half hours or three hours long (laughs) so I did the whole movie oh god and it every time I kept thinking right that was five funnies in a row I'm going to drop this in a minute yeah you know the bricks another brick would to into- oh and it, Yeah, my God. and blimey, it's something I look back on, and, and I was told by others that was bloody phenomenal. You know,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. You know, people would say things like, "I'm not saying this, your act's not good, but
0: yeah, Jesus Christ,
1: yeah, yeah, you can do that." And I was, yeah. and I'm like, "Well, like, where can I do that? You know, when will I ever be a when will anyone ever say?" well, you know, I have thought about maybe just sticking on a film like that and doing it in a, yeah. in a, in a, in a venue.
0: Well, let, let's, let's talk then about the risks that that would take because the first thing that occurs to me is for you to take big risks like that, you know, that, that's what we're talking about, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like free yeah. falling, diving in. You're in a situation now where you have a, a large family You've got yeah, three suddenly, kids. yeah, yes, yeah, so yeah. a sudden large family. You've got triplets. That all how old are they now? Uh, six, six, six. <laughs> Lovely. Good year. <laughs> Maybe this is your year for the demon. Um, but you've got responsibilities as a father and as a breadwinner and those sort yeah. of things. So, and, and also you've got responsibilities in terms of your family and the time you can spend away. So mm. if you're doing money, if you're doing earning gigs Wednesday to Sunday, or you know, I mean, I saw you recently at um, the Hob on a Monday. Yes. Yeah yeah and that was lovely to see you there trying new stuff off a tiny bit of paper and worrying and yeah. all the rest of it but when can you find a time to go I'm now going to risk this if you're not that's the sort of thing I'd do in Edinburgh Preview and I'd go right I'm going to try something really different for this I've got no dependence if it's in Edinburgh Preview it ultimately doesn't matter do you feel I suppose what I'm asking is do you feel that you haven't taken these risks before because of professional necessity I think the um
1: the, obviously, there's an element of having to be a, a husband and a farmer, as well as a comic, and lots of people achieve that with no problem. Um, but things like that New Material Night, you know, on a Monday, if I've been away, like you say, from Wednesday through uh, got back on a Sunday, mm. I um, always feel... Like, I owe my wife a couple of evenings with her. Of course. And, and a lot of those new material nights are on Mondays, aren't they? And yeah, I just think, yeah. I'm amazed how many people are willing to just... I guess it's, it depends where your life's at, but for me, it, it just, it's just it been difficult to do those new material mm. nights. And I'm not sure how much I gain from them. I tend to chuck new stuff in during my normal gigs, or especially if I'm comparing somewhere, which I don't do so much these days, but that always used to be a really nice easy place for me to chuck in a new line and it wouldn't be the end of the world if they didn't mm. buy it of um, but but the demon thing the, the, the voice from the back of my head that appears I, I, I'm i trying to find a place for it I'm trying to find mm. a way of proving that, that that might be the thing that I'm the very best at you know mm. uh, or the best I can be you know um, and not many people are doing anything quite like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's just finding a place and and it's terrifying
0: really isn't it because it's uh, yeah. I mean ultimately you've got to go back to the fear of being an open spot Yeah, you? From you've got to be you're, you are currently clad in the armour of yeah. This amazing opening 10, this rap that I can drop in. So, you know what I mean? You've got the sword of these brilliant jokes and yeah. the shield of these observations, and you need to kind of run out naked and go, yes. is this still good? Yeah. Does this work? And if it does, then you become the incredible naked knight to complete the <laughs> analogy. <laughs> Not one of Disney's more well-known films. <laughs> Wildly
1: unpopular. <laughs> um, yeah, but as I said, the closest I'm getting is at comfortable... Closing gigs where they want an extended set, or you know, at least half an hour. Because if, if I'm doing 20, I can't get out of third gear mm. with this sort of approach. Mm. Uh, or I, I believe that I can't. It takes me 15 minutes to get the audience on board with the with the with the non-material based act, and then they seem to. If it works, they they are absolutely into me doing 40 minutes. No worries. Hmm. it's just that it's increasingly difficult to find venues that will let you do that between 40 minutes and an hour and I'm that's what I'd like to the most important thing for me over the next year is finding a way of if I can't do Edinburgh which it seems I can't somehow afford or justify to my family uh, then I need to find places I can be on stage for longer because I need longer you need a
0: a free fringe in London that's That's it that's what you need really. yeah I guess something like that yeah
1: and people who who are relaxed enough to come in and sit down and just let me mm. trust me a bit mm. because it, it it usually pays off. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm unlikely, I think, to just grind to a halt and and say oh, I'm I'm afraid I've run out of of uh, run out of humour. Yeah, but having said that, you know, there are lots of gigs we, we probably all do where we're glad we've got a set that we can just bang out you you know? Know? and not that you know a lot of people that's all they ever do is bang out their set and they bang it out beautifully there's nothing wrong with that you know but mm. the, there's something very professional about being able to resell take those any, lines. Take any it?
0: situation make it new. Um I might not leave this bit in because this is not about me. It's about because the podcast is supposed to be about you and not me. But I'm having a similar thing at the moment that it might be apposite to talk about. Mm-hmm. I did a I've got a new bit about trying to convince the audience to have sex. Why don't we all just have sex? And it's an opening bit. I've seen you do that in bars. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no no that was reset for a bit. And uh I did it last night in Canterbury in uh, the Gulbenkian thing for Barnstorm's King and Precious Gig and uh, I, I wrote it on Friday did it a couple of times at gigs over the weekend and I, I'm really kind of gibbering at the minute because I I went on last night and I did seven minutes of trying to convince the audience to all have sex and I hadn't really written any of it I was just making it up and I was standing there and I was feeling I didn't know what was going to happen next mm. and that was fine because I felt totally in, w- control, in control I was closing the show yeah I had yeah exactly right. You again it's like that thing of if you're headlining then you have the space maybe I think so but at the same time if you're headlining you've got the responsibility I mean in some ways you think knows? you could go on in the middle and try
1: something like that yeah. and the evening wouldn't be a washout because someone's going to come on and close yeah. but in actual fact I think there's too much responsibility for shifting the, gear, uh, the, the gig into a weird mindset and then saying to your colleagues, well, sorry about that. Yeah, exactly. Whereas <laughs> if, good luck. If you're yeah.
0: on last, you can't have ruined anyone else's work. No. And if you're on last, you're king of the audience, you're king of the show. Yeah. And you get to come out and say, well, tonight the king is going to take some absurd risks. Yes. So maybe it does feel better in, yeah. in that sort of environment. And I think they, they don't know
1: what you're... Act is or your agenda. unless they have come to see you before, and then presumably they already like you, and be they'd be delighted that yeah. you're not going through the same twenty minutes. You thing get the Radiohead thing of going on, hey, this is yeah. if
0: you like me, then you've got to prepare to come yeah. with me as I as I, I, I will do, do some creep. But yeah. uh, I'll do creep at the end <laughs> yeah. if you're good. Yeah, because you talked a lot about uh, hunt sabbing yeah. and stuff like that. You. Do you still have a political kind of agenda? Is I've not seen you do any kind of political specific comedy, um, but yeah, I do. I I I shied away from overtly
1: doing stuff about it for a long time, um, and and also most of it was fairly. When I started out in stand up, I was a bit left wing, and so was everybody else. You know, there's no surprises there. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, of course, there's a lot more. Um, Canadians uh, with their bizarre right-wing agenda. No, uh, there's, uh, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? There's a, there was a lot more diversity in uh, politically on the circuit, and that's probably a good thing. I'm still um, fairly obvious kind of lefty. I'm still a vegetarian. Um, I, I'm, I'm non-religious. Mm. I'm doing a chunk of stuff at the moment about faith, Okay. Um, so, that, so that's the closest I've got probably to an overt bit of, here's my opinion on this thing, you know. Um, but I, but it's, l- luckily it's funny, so I think that makes it, you don't feel like you're being um, lectured, hopefully.
0: Does, when you're doing, when the demon comes out, when you mm. get on one on stage, do you ever get on one around existing material? Might you kind of go right? I'm on it now, and I know I've got some stuff on faith. So now I'm gonna just pick bits out of that and do it, or does it go somewhere completely other than your material? Does it go to, a, to it tends a to go somewhere
1: completely other than my material. The the thing that keeps happening is that I've got the demon rolling, and it's mm-hmm. fine, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hitting. It's mostly hitting the ons and not the offs, and a, my other sensible head says, well. Okay, we've had a bit of fun. Uh, better get back to the material, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Shall we do the act, shall we? Come on, two minutes. And then I tend to think, right, okay, well, I've freewheeled for 10 minutes, I better do five minutes of stuff. And that can be, as you probably know yourself, very, very tricky, yes, to get back into the material because it suddenly the material can look clunky in comparison
0: you know? yes here's an opinion I thought about and wrote down yeah. we're actually there thinking no we're we're watching you yes. be electric and run yeah. around naked yeah why are you going to start telling us about you know yeah why have you put it's your pants cool. on? yeah why have you put your pants <laughs> back on <laughs> leave the pants off
1: yeah yeah but I mean there they, there are some people who can do that very skillfully I think with me it's slightly clunkier um and 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 often I've been told again I've come off stage and, and mates, circuit friends and promoters have said you didn't need to, that was great by the way but you didn't need to go back into your, into your prepared material yeah. if you, it was all working so what, you know and I'm just thinking well can I do that for twenty minutes and still get paid because that just seems too like mu- too much fun you know yeah um, and of course when you're emceeing you can do that except that I always think emcees should do some. Something that sounds like a setup punchline. Yes, to get just everyone in the groove. So the agrees, knows yeah, that so that's going, what most people going are going to be agree, doing. Yeah. You
0: know, um, but so so, yeah. so you so you haven't to date you haven't gone out and demoned it for twenty minutes or your set or your closing thing and actually finished like that and just ended up going wow there we go that's the end. Uh, no, I need, I How does that feel? I've
1: done forty minutes whereby thirty minutes was demon. Okay, and I still, and you still brought it I, back I the still jokes. think I'd better do some jokes. It's so not necessarily at the end like that, tacked on, but in amongst it, I do a bit of set, and it's, it's partly because I want to demonstrate that I am a proper comic that writes jokes. Because I to who to some of the people in the room who might think he's just
0: mucking about. So what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I know well, some of them want you to put your pants on. Yeah. So
1: what? Yeah. And they, but there you go. There's a bit of me that wants to please them all somehow. Yeah. If that's yeah, yeah. possible. Yeah, and I'll and, try and, and on it. top
0: of all this, I've <laughs> also got some attractive pants yeah, yeah, <laughs> for the purists. I think we've
1: seen enough of the knob. Yeah. Uh, let's pop that away. <laughs> Which I think really would be people's reaction. Um, Yeah, no, it's a, it's a phobia, really. It's a kind of stand-up comedy should be equal parts this and equal parts that. But actually, as I'm getting older and as I said earlier, it's becoming more and more apparent that I need to get back to the unpredictable nature of the, the, where I started, really, right back at the beginning, you know. The, when nothing I wonder what mattered. I'm going to do. I've got... Ooh. Yeah. And also, for someone who isn't a, you know, 500-page-a-day writer, um, <laughs> it suits me just fine. You know, if the stuff's all sort of being
0: stored constantly in my backup disk... Sure. ...and I can just unload it as and when... Yeah. Um, oh that'd be good that would make for no feeling guilty about not writing ever yeah. wouldn't that be a good feeling well, maybe that's what I'm doing here
1: you know that's yeah. maybe that's what this whole thing is about it's just a, it's a way of me being able to say oh well, I don't have to tell you how much I write or don't write <laughs> because that's sort of irrelevant because I'm a thinker and a creator but I'd love to be I'd love to wake up every day with five excellent jokes that I could t- you know but they don't come thick and fast like that and it might just be that I'm not designed to be that kind of Performer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but like you say, it's really nice to have one liners. That a lot of my one liners don't fit into my act at all, there's no yeah. obvious place to put them. But when you get one of those little lulls that you can't explain, Supply it's great. Back
0: pocket, yeah. we're off.
1: Yeah, do you think it was the mermaids who invented yeah. the titwank? You know, bang, yeah. Um, but it can be you know, it can also wrong foot you because you think, well, they think, oh, is this a one liner guy or is he a
0: mm-hmm.
1: improviser? What is this bloke? And I think it's because I didn't have any. Disciplined approach to the um, the thing of making people laugh. I just wanted them to laugh. So I haven't ended up with a very disciplined
0: act. Yeah, you don't have an agenda other than, I mean, you're you're not trying to express something uh, tangible about the way you see the world. You're not trying to express a political. No, I mean, I'd like to do all those things.
1: I yeah. think there's a bit of me, you know, you know, like kind of Tony Hancock. Ended up sort of hating himself because he was a clown. You know, mm. he wanted to be. You know, people laughed at him and made him rich and famous, and then eventually he'd be like, "Why? Why are they laughing at me? Mm. I'm, I'm a proper actor, am I? I mean, I'm a, I'm a performer." And it was, I, I think there's an element of that in a lot of comics that we're actually there's a bit of us thinking, "Yeah, but I would like to be more important. Maybe I'll be a playwright. Maybe yeah. I'll."
0: Write a book, yeah. Yeah. It can all suddenly seem to be sort of thrown into quite unpleasant relief, can't it? If you're like, Oh, I've just absolutely smashed that gig, and then you go, What does that actually mean in the real world? Yeah, like, hasn't changed anyone's life other than some people enjoyed themselves for a bit. Well, it's I enjoyed myself, it's shockingly transient, isn't it? And it,
1: yeah, um, all those smashed gigs are only in the tiny grey cells of you and I and one or two mad punters my, my
0: pet theory is uh, <laughs> my pet theory is that that's why stand-up comedians are so awful socially that's why when you ask a stand-up comic how are you we go oh I'm great thanks roofed it last yes. night, smashed it oh, I just had a great time in Dubai <laughs> just, do you know what I mean? because yeah. you can't say you can't go there's the proof, yeah, there's yeah. the statue I made, there's the painting, I, there's the house I built you can't say it. It was like, "Oh, there was all this smoke and mirrors. You should have been there, but yes. you never can have been." Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's a very, it's it's um it's a very short-lived drug, isn't it? Hence the need for more of it, more often. And you just wish all the people who were in that in the room that night when you smashed that gig could follow you around going, "Yeah, you should have seen it." You should have seen it. I mean, it. he really was something else. But you know, and you don't want to be the person to have to say it. Do you? <laughs> Although, as you say, some people are, some people are adept at pointing it out. (laughs) Oh, I blew away, blew the
0: roof off. (laughs) Really. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank, Thank you, Stuart. That's brilliant. I've really enjoyed that, um, ladies and gentlemen. it's Mr. Ben Norris. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Should we direct people to your website or? Your... I have a website: uh, www.bennorris.co.uk.
1: I have. Um... You've got a secondary website regarding your love of chairs. Oh, oh yeah, yes, I, I do. I have. A, there's a connection. What do you call it? A link to my other website, which is still in its infancy, but it's about my my other obsession being mid century modern. Architecture and design.
0: It's uh, genuinely lovely and I recommend everyone go to it. oh, Brit6060.com, is it? Dot com, possibly. I think so. You'll um, find it. There's a link on yeah. Ben. There's a link on site. There's some pictures of some chairs and lamps. And, it really is. It, that is a fascinating insight into the, <laughs> the background of Ben Norris and, oh, and how he how he talks when he's not on one. That's the opposite <laughs> of the demon. <laughs> oh, he's off one. The upholsterer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. so that was Ben Norris I hope you enjoyed it I got lots out of that chat Um, I love the idea of running into battle naked uh, and trying to convince yourself not to put your pants back on Uh, I I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did as I said the next episode is going to be in two weeks time with the wonderful Paul Sinner and after that Mr Adam Bloom is going to be telling us all basically how comedy works from scratch Uh, so I hope you enjoy those Uh, any questions tweet me at comcompod or email me info at comedianscomedian.com looking forward to hearing what you have to say last thing of course is just to thank everyone involved in the in the creation of the comedians comedian podcast uh, primarily Graham Crockford and Tom Wateracre for their technical support Uh, thanks to my guest today Ben Norris and also thank you to To Entertain uh, for their support as well thanks for listening speak to you soon